a doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Yes, the doctor is in. Dr. Rashid Batar, Advanced Medicine Monday, kicking off your week with broadcast healing like nowhere else in media. Dr. Batar, as I'm heading back from Las Vegas, it's, it's gl- I'm so glad to have you on board. Thanks, Robert. I'm glad that uh, you had a successful trip out there. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I didn't get to talk to you about last week, because it was breaking after we did our show on, on last Monday... Uh, was the fluoride and neurotoxic chemical warfare issue that was breaking all over the world while uh, the American regime was, you know, planning to bomb Syria and, you know, whether they do or don't. I mean, this, the kind of thing here is the story is that suddenly the world is confronted with a neurotoxic substance that they claim is benevolent and kind and protects your teeth and should be added into the water system all over the world. It's it's used in, 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 in uh, toothpaste and you read the poison control warnings. It's used in, what, making a Prozac, and it's also used in sarin gas. And so it's a difficult thing for folks to realize that science in some ways has not been our friend because it's been a tool for a war-making machinery since uh, World War II. Yeah, this is a really intriguing point, Robert, that the powers that be will use what's convenient for them at what point is convenient for them to use whatever science has come up with as a destructive tool or can promote that same destructive tool as, as you very eloquently stated, benevolent, you know, as you said. Yeah, the fluoride is benevolent and kind because we're going to help all poor people to not have tooth decay, ignoring the fact that fluorosis is due to fluoride. In other words, a modeling of the teeth, for instance, a weakening of the bones, a brittling of the bones. We've talked about its ability to dry up, if you will, uh, atrophy the pineal gland which, of course, doctors look at a pineal gland like they look at a, uh, an appendix. You know, it's like, who put that there? Yeah, and the pineal gland and its role and the appendix and its role, as we've discussed before on the show, and various other appendages that we tend to remove, <laughs> you know, we, we don't have a full appreciation for many of those things. But, you know, coming back to this fluoride issue and its role in chronic disease and the fact that it actually contributes to the accelerated uptake of heavy metals. Yes. Which is, again, more my area of looking at this. You know, the LD1 of mercury and an LD1 of lead in the same population is an LD100, and you add fluoride to that, it becomes an LD1000. And, again, this component, we know that is scientifically sound. We know that anybody that has... Any knowledge about science knows these facts to be true. They can look it up. The, you know, the research is abundantly clear. But what is disturbing, again, is, as you said, you know, they, they're promoting this substance where fluoride is supposed to be such a good thing. And now, as you mentioned to me off the air, I don't think you've said this on the air yet, anybody who is promoting fluoride, according to Biden, should be bombed. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no. yeah, that's it's really selective in the use of that thing because, as we said, we've got to kind of draw a line of delineation. This is kind of the razzle dazzle we always talk about the mass hypnosis, and fluoride does play a role in that by weakening the you know, the mind in certain ways. And we can talk about the physiological aspects of weakening the mind and the the mental capacity and cognitive ability via increasing uptake of heavy metals. That alone could explain it, but there might be other subtle aspects when you talk about atrophying the pineal gland, which is not really acknowledged as much having much use to modern medicine because it's almost an esoteric organ and yet it's one of the most important components for the endocrine system for the entire well-being in fact the spiritual component and people's ability to achieve a higher state is all dependent upon the functioning of the pineal gland and it's interesting too if you start looking at the forefathers you look at the the uh, various artistic works that are in the white house Mm-hmm. And and what the representation of the pineal gland is, there's a lot of very interesting artwork that is delineated throughout American history, which actually shows the pineal gland. Are you, are you aware of what I'm talking about? Yeah, well, the reference point is to something known as the tisra til or the third eye, this ability right. to see without seeing, you know, a whole different level of awareness and consciousness. And, you know, we're getting into something that I don't know, we, we never intend to, but we always end up there, Dr. Batar, which is great, <laughs> is that we end up going into the spiritual and the consciousness because the pineal gland definitely references that. And if there's a way to dampen that consciousness, you have an ability, much more effective ability to control populations. That's exactly right. So, you know, historically and from a political standpoint in the history of our country, the representation of the importance of the pineal gland has always been there. It's even represented on our currency. It's, it's everywhere. And yet, exactly as you said, the fluoride reduces the, the ability of the pineal gland to actually function. So now we come back to this whole component. Fluoride is good. Fluoride is benevolent. Fluoride is the best thing since sliced bread. We should all take it in our, in our toothpaste and in our water. And now, all of a sudden, anybody who's using fluoride should be bombed. So where is the integrity in these politicians that are making these comments? Because for any person that is utilizing their God-given innate right to use their own brain would see the facade that they've created. And once again, this is no different than any of the other things we've talked about. Same thing with the vaccine issue. Same thing with the heavy metal issue. Same thing with you know, metals are good. They're fine. You can put them in your dental amalgams. You can put them in vaccines as a preservative. In fact, if that's not enough, we can put them in our light bulbs and now call them green and create more of a toxicity to the rest of the world. And then if you see heavy metals that in a lab, a spill, a mercury spill in a, in a lab, in a high school, you got to close the whole high school down and close off the entire place for three blocks and then bring in OSHA hazmat teams to try to clean up that that. Um, hazardous spill site. Mm-hmm. You know the dichotomy of how they operate, and, and the contradiction, and what's the word? The hypocrisy in which yes. they operate. That's the right word. The, that's what we, as a society, as a global society, need to start becoming more and more cognizant enough. We need to open our eyes and start realizing. Wait a second. You know these crazy people that are on the radio. You know Robert Scott Bell <laughs> and Rashid Buttar that do this stuff. You know, yeah, they're kind of crazy out there in left field. But wait a second. You know why is it that that they're talking about how safe heavy metals are, and yet 
on TV, every time a high school student spills a little bit of mercury or a dentist drops a little bit of mercury in their lab, mm-hmm. you got to call OSHA and wall that area off as a hazardous spill site. I mean, what's that about? Well, it'll come back to the dampening of consciousness again. Do we know for a fact, scientifically, is it validated that the increased uh, burden of heavy metals, especially mercury, impacts the brain and the nervous system? I mean, is that are we just making that up, or is there some valid science there? Not some valid science. <laughs> I, I, here's, listen, this is what I would say. My response to that would be, show me science that proves that it does not exist. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, show me science that proves to me that the sky is not blue and the grass is not green. Mm-hmm. Show me that science. Yeah. And well, there is no science for that. In fact, Robert, this comes back to that Vancouver conference. Yes. Where the, the doctors in the audience, where I made that point about in the beginning that anybody who walks out of here at the end of this and does not see the light does is not, uh, you know, if I don't convince you, then you lack integrity because the science is going to be that blatant. And this is where the dentists were saying, this is ludicrous. This is r- ridiculous. There's no scientific validity to this. And at the end of that hour and a half, they're like saying, could this be why my hand is has a tremor? Right. Yeah. Oh, you 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 threw down the gauntlet in a good way, and I guess that is something that is is a little bit. There's a, these awkward moments that are happening more frequently to challenge the dampened consciousness of those who would be considered the global elitist trying to keep us down. Now, I don't mean that everyone is overtly participating because a lot of people are caught up in the excitement fervor of politics and they want to help people. They're sincere in their interest there, but it's very disheartening for them to be disillusioned. They don't want to be disillusioned to see these things. But the point of what Mike Adams did last week was really throwing down that gauntlet at folks. It's like, look, this is the same thing coming from the same source one leading to something that they say is worthy of being bombed, the other worthy of benevolent gratitude, and let's infuse this in all the water supplies of the world, especially to poor people. And you see there's such a cognitive dissonance that once they're confronted with it, there can be explosive anger at that point. And that's the, you know, that kind of breaking point, tipping point that we're at right now. Yeah, that's, that's very true because many of these people, they think, they have actually been led to believe that they are doing good work. Whereas in actuality, they are nothing more than pawns by the global elitist, as you put it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in fact, I'm kind of interested where that term global elitist came from because there's nothing elite about them. Uh, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm just wondering I, how I, that. I think it's sort of like a, it's, a, it's a dig at them. They feel good about it because their egos are massaged, but those who call them elitist, of course. Uh, but remember when Dr. Oz called us elitist because we eat organic food. So it's, it's all, <laughs> often used in weird ways. <laughs> That's true. That's a good, that's a good point. By the way, I, I, I heard that Mercola did call Dr. Oz up on, and call him out on that. And so, you know, uh, we, we have some interesting things. Even some points, certain people go, oh, no, you've gone too far now. If, if I'm going to be called an elitist because I eat healthier, yes. I guess you can call me whatever you want. You know? Yeah, well, we're, we're happy to wear that badge. And as we've said, uh, we're orthorexics with ODD. That's uh, Oppositional Defiance Disorder. And we welcome everyone out there to our club. Right. I've always said, just call me anything you want as long as you don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> and that's the only thing you're never late for, by the way. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Listen, we we got to take a break here. You're listening to Advanced Medicine Monday on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Really a great, great way to start your Mondays here. And you can listen to the archives of the Advanced Medicine Monday version of the Robert Scott Bell Show over at medicalrewind.com. So uh, 200 plus hours now, a lot of great information there. Heading back from the American Naturopathic Medical Association Conference in Las Vegas. And Dr. Batar is here. 
and he's helping me to remind you, you know what, where's the power reside as far as the healing that you have. We're going to be back with more of it after this. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. the truth takes him. Here's Robert. Who would have known that on Advanced Medicine Monday we'd end up talking about the spiritual eye, the pineal gland, and the history of America all in one segment just due to talking about fluoride. Dr. Bittar, fluoride is supposed to dampen our ability to do this. Here it is. It elevated us. Well, it wasn't the fluoride. It was the talking about it. That's right. It's the awareness of the fact that fluoride is bad for us. But, you know, there were so many things, Robert. I, you know, I, I mentioned that I wasn't sure if you were aware of that, but mm-hmm. little did I. It was not – I know you off the air you said that thanks for thinking so highly of you. But I actually, <laughs> like I actually did not realize a lot of people even knew that. I only came to that awareness a few years ago myself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I saw Ty's conference – and by the way, don't tell Ty this because I don't want him to get a big head. Ty, but, he better not be listening. Yeah, he better not be listening. But – you know, at the conference, the Advanced Medicine Seminar conference we did in Charlotte, when Ty gave that presentation and talked about the history of hemp and its significance in American history, and then about the forefathers and what their direct quotes regarding hemp was or regarding marijuana was, mm-hmm. I mean, there were four or five extremely powerful quotes. And then he says, you know, Thomas Jefferson said this, Ben Franklin said this, Washington, George Washington said this. I could not believe, I had no idea that the that the plant marijuana had such a deep, entrenched, and rich history within the American uh, historical perspective. It, it's, it's amazing. And I like to think of myself as somebody who is aware, who is learned, who is... You know some stuff. Yeah, that I know some <laughs> stuff. And I had no clue. So that means if I had no clue about this mm-hmm. and the history of marijuana, then how many other people have been you know, dumbed into not realizing the rich, important, and significant role that marijuana has played in American history and how important of a plant it really is. And that, once you become aware of that, then it makes sense why they've made it illegal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really makes sense. <laughs> you know, one of the most amazing things on our journey together, Dr. Batar, is just that, that, uh, you know, because you're a smart guy, you're a learned guy, you're doing a lot of great work. And, you know, we're on, we're starting this, I and mean, we've known each other for years, but when we launched this, I was like, you know, what about if we go places that he doesn't know something, right? In my mind, I could think of the back of my mind here. It's like, will he be insulted if I bring something up that he doesn't know? And you embraced it from the very first time. If I happen to talk about something that you didn't know about, you said, well, I don't know. Let me learn more. I want to know more. And I thought, this is the coolest thing. What a great example for everyone else to recognize that no matter how learned you get in any particular area, there's always going to be someone that knows something more than you. And even though you could be great at one thing, it would be even greater if you stay open to the things you don't know from other people. And that was cool. And you do that. Well, Robert, to me, it's um, something that when we think we know everything, there's no purpose for us to serve on this planet anymore. Because the day we stop learning is the day that we are dead, in my opinion. Or we might as well be dead because we have nothing to contribute. And you and I have talked about this off the air before, that poster of the chimpanzee that is sitting there reading the book, scratching his head. The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. That's a, that's a very common experience that I'm having as I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 
I remember when you were up here a couple of weeks ago when, during the advanced medicine seminar too, when we were talking about gold, for example. Yes. And you know, I asked you about that, and you've been doing that for twenty years. For twenty years, you've been, you know, living your life outside of the normal everyday. Outside the Federal Reserve note box, let's just say yes. that. Yes. It's honoring the Coinage Act of 1792. Look it up. Exactly. I mean, th- th- see, these type of things, people would never know that about you, I think. And th- this, type of, um, this type of information is so crucial for everybody to know. And even for those people that may not truly understand it and may say, ah, come on, I just, you know, you're being a little bit preposterous. And you start talking about, well, let's look at. Historically, Reagan, when he talked about exposing the Federal Reserve System or investigating the Federal Reserve System or opening up that big can of worms to see what's really going on behind the Federal Reserve System, and about what twenty four, forty eight hours. Yeah, after well, that, it wasn't that long after. You know, Ron Paul was on the Gold Commission and he urged Ronald Reagan to reissue the Silver Eagles and Gold Eagles because no nation can remain sovereign and not have an independent treasury. And when they stopped uh, minting genuine constitutional coin, it, w- it technically the United States was no longer a sovereign nation. And so he right. urged Reagan to reissue, and he did. And there was some trouble that uh, was going on behind the scenes. But when, when he talked about there was a public statement he made about the Federal Reserve System and looking into the Federal Reserve System, and within, what is it, 48 hours that his attempt on his life was made, the assassination attempt, and when he recovered from that, 22 round that was pumped into his body. There was no mention about the Federal Reserve System again. Went quiet. It did. It did. But we're not going to go quietly here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, not with Advanced Medicine Monday. Of course, uh, Outside the Box Wednesdays, Healing Revolution Fridays, and everything in between. It's a great healing party. Come on in. The water's warm, and it's free of fluoride. We're going to be back with Dr. Rashid Batar after the break here. we got a question on macular degeneration I'm going to ask Dr. Batar about. He's dealt with those eye issues as well. So stick around. Lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rashid Batar right after this. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. Healing on all levels here on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rajiv Bittar, Advanced Medicine Monday. Remember, he is the author. If you're new to the program, you don't know this, the international bestseller, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. And that's how uh, much integrity he has because he says, stay away from doctors. Or let me help you. This is how you do it. <laughs> if you're a doctor and you're offended, you need to come on board and learn from what we're doing here. If you're not offended, you're already here, and we're welcoming you again. Now, you mentioned economic interface as well, and that's why I love the fact that we can do physiological healing as well. But when I throw out things or we go into the pineal gland, and somehow it, it wraps into the founding fathers and economics, it's like, dude, this is, this is too cool. We now, should change the name of the show, should we? <laughs> well, what would we call it? What should we call it? I have no idea. The Advanced Show instead of Advanced Medicine Show? The Advanced Everything Show. We don't know where we're going, but just come on board and we'll get there. <laughs> How will you know when you get there? I don't know, but we'll have a good time along the way. Just come it on. It reminds board. me of that song by the Gap Band, 
party train, everybody all aboard. All aboard. Oh, you know what's funny? Super Don played uh, You Dropped a Bomb on Me. That was the other Gap Band show, song when we, right, came, right, when we right. came out to cover the whole uh, uh, sarin gas thing. Not to make light of it, but just it, it was a fluoride bomb. That's what we wanted to relate, the seriousness of it. Now, on the economic side of things, you mentioned things, and, and, and we're encouraging every one of you to find out what it is that you do that has value to someone else or many others because right now we have an artificial economy that is crumbling we're in the midst of that collapse we acknowledge it we cover it we don't shy away from discussing it we don't want to dwell on it either but the recognition is that you have got to find a way to have something of value a service a product something you can do that will help others and we've talked about even helping others to get well whether you're a doctor or not the ahead map is something that might be able to benefit you to stay well and I know this has been an ongoing development, Doctor Batar. You've been looking to help others to help, uh, you know, others in this way. Yeah, the head map is coming along phenomenally, Robert. It's just, I mean, literally. I know people have probably heard me say this that we're just days away. We are actually going to be able to actually this week. We already started having patients using the head map. It's not the the answer is available to everybody, meaning the answer, meaning the questions that they take and then the results, the output, what it tells us as far as the actual protocols that they'll be able to access and then benefit from, those are not online, so to speak. In other words, people can't order that stuff yet, but the actual vehicle that gives us the information that allows us to elicit where the problem is and how to go about fixing it, that's going to be available to everybody. It actually already is. We just have to put the information out, the code, the, the website, etc. Right. The interface is already done. And there's still some things that need to be done. For example, the output of the data. You know, Right now, the output data comes straight to the physician that may be using the head map. And so we can interpret it. But the output for the patient where there's no interaction with the physician, per se, just the output where they fill in the questionnaire and, and the response comes to them and tells them where the problem is, that interface has not been created. But it is online as of this Monday. We are actually already using it. My patients tomorrow that I'll be seeing have all the head map questionnaires that they fill out online. The printout comes to us. So all that's done. That's a huge leap forward because we are no longer using the head map on the mm -hmm. actual you know, old version, the prehistoric version of writing it actually out on a piece of paper and calculating right. all those things out manually. So we are making progress, and I appreciate your patience and, and everybody else's patience on it. But once it comes out, it will be awesome. Now, if you are a little frustrated about the head map taking so long to get out there, you know, if you listen to the show, all you would have need to done is just sent Dr. Batar an invitation to dinner to bring the head map with him, and he's never late for dinner. So just right. keep, keep that in mind next time. You don't want to wait. My wife would probably disagree with that because, in fact, my text messages, if you do a search in my text message underneath my wife and see yes. what text messages are, I'd yes. say 90% of them are, are you ever coming home? Dinner has been ready for two hours. So uh oh, no, I don't want to go there. That gets too controversial because that means you're late for your wife's dinner, but nobody else's. Now she's going to hear it. You're in big trouble, mister. <laughs> All right, well, let's try and help somebody out here. We have a, a, maybe the head map could help this, this woman. Kathy, she writes in. She's really nice, and she said, uh, hey, RSB, uh, my eyesight has been getting a bit blurry as of late, at times more than others. I have some spots on my lens. They aren't floaters, but remain constant in my field of vision. There has been an increase in their number in the past year. I don't work at a computer a lot, but teach outside for much of the day. I usually wear sunglasses. Uh, my family has a history of macular degeneration. Uh, two uncles and one aunt and, uh, of nine went blind, in fact. 
Some university tested my dad and his siblings for some allopathic study, and it was determined that the macular degeneration was not age-related. It worries me a great deal because I don't have the answers to reverse it yet. I don't take any medications. I have a fairly clean diet, maybe about 30% raw with some green drinks. Take some of the supplements that you recommend as well. Um, only doing coffee enemas once every couple of weeks, um, but trying to get more regular with those, but can you help give me some other ideas? So this would be a good question for you since you've had some patients dealing with this. Yeah. Macular degeneration actually is the leading cause of blindness in the United States. I'm not sure if it is internationally the leading cause of blindness, but certainly within our country, it is the leading cause of blindness. And traditionally, when you look at macular degeneration, there's two versions of it. There's a dry macular degeneration and a wet macular degeneration. And, it is considered to be a chronic, insidious, mm-hmm. non-reversible problem. Now, I will tell you, Robert, that I had a patient. This is one of my first patients when I went to private practice in 1996. I was fresh out of the Army. One of my first patients I started doing chelation on. So we're, we're talking, what, 96? We're 17 years ago. And this gentleman was in his 70s. And he suffered from macular degeneration. We started chelation on him, and he was ecstatic because he said he poked his wife and woke her up. And his wife said, stop poking me. And he said, I'm not poking you. And she said, yes, you are. And she turned around and looked down below, and he looks down there, and that was the first time he'd had an erection in like 10 years. So he was ecstatic because it improved the vascular supply to his uh, privates. And so he was able to actually maintain an erection, spontaneous erection, which is, as I said, he hadn't had in about 10 years. I thought now, we were talking about the pineal gland. Now you're going there. Well, I thought we were talking about macular degeneration, but, you know, it's all connected. Okay. Again. All right. <laughs> no, it's interesting where you're, you're transitioning here in that uh, we want to understand how is it possible to, to do things, like to recover from things, as you said, they consider incurable. You know, you right. can't regenerate from this. And, and you're saying that, in fact, you've witnessed that it can be done. Right. Well, I haven't gotten there yet because you interrupted my story. But yeah, we were right in the erection portion. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm leading up to that. <laughs> you said erection and I heard Liam calling in. I don't know. <laughs> well, okay. So here, let me finish the story before we really get off the tangent. So okay. um, the patient was very happy with the results that he'd had with the chelation because of his erection issue. But then he comes in one day and he says, Dr. Batar, my eyesight's getting better. Now, I knew this man had a history of macular degeneration. You know, he's a 70-year-old man. I said, that's nice, sir. Thank you very much. And I walked into my office as he went into the IV suite thinking, okay, you know, this guy's probably got early onset dementia because he's thinking his eyesight's getting better because there's nothing I'm doing for his eyesight. Well, about another two months later, I see him as a, in a follow-up, and he hands me a letter by his optometrist, or I'm sorry, by his ophthalmologist. And his ophthalmologist's letter is addressed to me And it says, I don't know what you're doing to this man's eyesight, but his eyesight has improved by 70%. So I'm thinking, now, wait a second. You know, I know that this guy may have had adult onset dementia that I attributed him saying his eyesight was getting better. You know, I'm just being facetious here, obviously. But now his ophthalmologist is saying that his eyesight's better and he wants to know what I'm doing. And I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just chelating the guy. So I start going through the literature and sure enough, in the literature – it is well described that macular degeneration, what the leading cause of blindness, is actually reversible by chelation. 
Dude, this is impressive because we we look at the the reasons for taking these extra steps, right? Uh, you know, we're all for eating well, of course, very critical. Clean up your diet, supplement. You know, the minerals that are not in the food from a food grown source, preferably. But sometimes it is necessary to take those extra steps. We would call it semi-invasive or invasive, but not in a toxic, dangerous way. What do you garner from this, this experience? What is happening with the eyes specific to chelation? Do we say it's another heavy metal-induced uh, degenerative disease? Partially, yes, but it's also improving the vascular supply, and the macula is getting basically reperfused, and the metals that are causing that increased oxidative damage within the macula are being removed, so you're reducing the oxidative stress and improving perfusion, which now not only negates the progression of the disease, but actually reverses it. So the, and this has now been, in my own practice, I've probably had a couple of dozen patients over the last 15, 16 years, 17 years that have actually had the same type of experience. Now, we don't ever treat the macular degeneration when they come in. Most of the times, I didn't even know they had macular degeneration until we get their history, but they didn't come in for macular degeneration to get the treatments. They came in because they had other issues going on that were more worrisome to them and that were more life-impacting to them. And the side effect of the treatment was that their macular degeneration stopped getting worse and their eyesight started coming back. And, you know, I'll tell you, Robert, another thing for eyesight that I've noticed, one of my mentors, Dr. William Hitt, told me that if you ever want to grow virus, get an eye from a cadaver, and that is the best medium to grow a virus in. Why? Because the vitreous humor within the eye is the perfect medium to grow virus. So all humans, all of us, not just humans, but any animal form, the eye is the perfect place to grow virus, which means that in our natural state, we have a lot of viral content within our eyes. In fact, if you probably, you've probably heard that many viral conditions can be spread from just the tear ducts, just from the tears. Sure. Well, it's an interesting escape route from the body as well. We always talk about adaptive uh, excretory function. Uh, Mm -hmm. And certainly we also recognize that viral uh, particles may be evidence of cellular debris escaping, you know, genetic material running from uh, cells that have become so toxic and deficient that's their last ditch effort to survive. That's a very interesting correlation with what I'm about to tell you because when we do the ozone autohemotherapy, we actually see people's vision very in a very transient manner, by the way, but still we see a very significant change in their eyesight. Most people, in fact, like myself, whenever I get an ozone treatment, I can see an accentuation of colors and my vision becomes more sharp. The, the contrast becomes more discernible. And it may only last for 15, 20 minutes, but that's proof in the pudding. I would think that if you can reduce the viral count, in, within your eye, that's maybe one reason that we're seeing clearer, albeit may just be for a short period of time. But with the macular degeneration, that's definitely a long-term type effect. Yes, on a short-term uh, basis, we got to take a quick break here, and we'll be back to wrap up Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rasha Bittar. Remember, check out medicalrewind.com. You can find Dr. Bittar on at drdrbittar.com. It's linked up in the show notes. And those of you who are in that region want to plug into this chelation-type therapy or even the ozone scenario, there's a great opportunity there. And we'll be back right after this. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott Bell Show. So wrapping up the question from Kathy through the website at robertscottbell.com. By the way, you can always call and leave a message when we're not on the air at 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. With the macular degeneration, you were just getting into the fact that this is a chronic situation. We're not talking about one dose of ozone or one dose of chelation. I know I'm not saying that properly, but you got to get the drift of one round of these things. This is something that may take some time to undo something that has been going on for a long time. Absolutely, Robert, but the chelation for macular degeneration is well described in the literature now. Many people have seen the improvements. I would like, like I said, in my own practice, I've seen a number of patients that have had significant improvements. So there are things that can be done to significantly improve the eyesight, and I would strongly recommend to somebody that if they have macular degeneration, a diagnosis has already been made, that they find a doctor that can do chelation and start getting those treatments, and they will see a difference within six months to a year without a doubt. Yeah. Also, homeopathic medicine, there are a number of remedies indicated for eye diseases from glaucoma to cataracts to macular degeneration, and you can always check it out online. We've got links up to King Bio as such, but really great insight there for Kathy because she's doing a lot of good things, but sometimes you need to take that extra step to really open it up wide, so I appreciate that. And Dr. Pratar, can you remind me and everyone else out there, because not everybody is near North Carolina to come and see you. Like, you know, I've told everybody on the, over the summer we went up during the advanced medicine seminar. We were there. I brought my son to see you, and he did some of the treatments just as a, as a test to challenge him, and everything's cool. But uh, maybe there are other docs, and you know that you've trained, and how would they find them to be able to tap into the same level of care? Well, Robert, you know, we've had a lot of doctors that we have taken through the training program. Unfortunately... Not everybody does the things that, the way that we do them, and we've had some problems where patients have been referred to other doctors' offices, and then the patients have been upset because the doctors didn't do what they expected to do. And I have, believe it or not, this is really a sad thing, but I have had to talk two patients out of suing their doctors that I had referred them to because they were so upset because the doctor didn't do what they were what they thought they were going to do, or what we would have done. So I have kind of become more and more reluctant to refer patients. I understand. Now, only because of that, you know, the, in, in the last, this all happened in the last three years, two different patients. And there are some really good doctors out there. It's just that people have to understand that not everybody does things exactly the same way. And they either, they have to understand and accept that. So having said that, if somebody wants to find somebody else that's gone through our training program that I feel strongly would do things the way that we do that, then they can go to centersforadvancedmedicine.com and there's probably a dozen or so docs that are listed there. There's a lot more docs that went through our training program, but again, most of them aren't doing what we do. And not, I mean, they're using parts and parcel of what we're doing. So as far as what I would feel comfortable, th- those would be the doctors on that site. Okay. No, I appreciate you reminding everybody about that. Centersforadvancedmedicine.com, also linked up. Uh, so you can check that out. But again, another layer, another level of the healing uh, for those of you who have a family history and you're doing a lot of good things and you just feel like you're hitting the wall, that could be something that can put you over the edge. So, no, that's terrific. Now, as far as uh, the, the next phase of uh, book writing now, we've talked a little bit about this. we just got about a minute or two to go. Uh, I just want to get a sense of your focal point on the book on metals that they wouldn't let you write before because it was just too intense, it was too incriminating of the, you know, just like we talked about the, the use of fluoride around planet Earth. Yeah, and actually I thought they were going to let me write the book and publish it this time, but they've again reneged the same publishing company. So now 
I really don't need anybody. I can self-publish it anyway. There is a possibility we'll be talking with another book publisher to get the book really out there in the mainstream. Um, haven't made a decision yet which way we're going to go. I want to maintain as many of the rights that we can sure. with the book. And when you go with the publisher, you have to give up some of those things. So uh, the heavy metal book will be coming out, God willing, in the next uh, four to six months. And uh, I hope everybody gets a copy because it's going to be a doozer. Yeah, yeah. A, a doozer. That's so funny. It's a doozy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Batar speak because when uh, – I made Bat- that word up myself. Exactly. We had a, you know we love making up words here. But Batar, you're so powerful that a doozy just doesn't sound right. It's got to be a doozer. Classic, classic. Well, that's what we do here. We don't sit around, wait, and ask permission to get well or help others get well. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do it even if it's a doozy to you. But it's a doozer right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show doing Advanced Medicine Monday each and every Monday on this place right now through naturalnewsradio.com as well as through GCN and rebroadcast around the world through UK Health Radio and Digital Radio 103 in Australia. And the audience is listening, Dr. Batar, so you keep talking. I would love to say something, but aren't we out of town? Oh, oh, yeah, you're so good. The power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show.